You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians, myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza, fortnightly we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast for another one of our patented deep dives for which we find ourselves joined by our on-call theatre dork, Gareth Isaac. Hello, he's back. He is back. We also made the absolutely disgusting decision, due to everyone's schedules, to record this at 7am on a Monday, on a public holiday. I've got three brain cells and they're spinning like Beyblades. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, so let's get started, friends. We are thrilled to be diving into another amazing musical as voted by our audience. And this time it is the cult classic TikTok famous back from the dead hit Beetlejuice. Adapted from the 1988 Tim Burton film of the same name, Beetlejuice began as an off-Broadway tryout in Washington, D.C. in 2018 before making its way to the Winter Garden Theatre on Broadway in 2019. While initially not dazzling the Broadway crowd, a combination of clever viral marketing on TikTok and a stellar Tony Awards performance featuring new lyrics, the show gained an incredibly vocal and adoring fan base. The show brought together an incredible team of Broadway stars like Alex Brightman, Sophia Ancaruso, Rob McClure, and Leslie Kritzer, while also bringing a powerhouse creative team in the forms of Scott Brown and Anthony King on book duty, and Australia's own Eddie Perfect on music and lyrics. The show managed to be nominated for an impressive eight Tony Awards in 2019, but didn't manage to take any out. Beetlejuice the Musical is probably most famous or infamous for its early closure and subsequent resurrection. In 2020, on March 11th, due to the Broadway COVID shutdown, Beetlejuice closed its doors for the last time and, due to an opt-out clause with the producers, it was revealed the show was set to close on June 6th. This was in spite of the show at the time setting theatre box office records. The Winter Garden Theatre was slated to instead house the revival of The Music Man, starring Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. However, through clever production choices and an outpouring of fan love, in 2022, Beetlejuice rose once again and is now haunting the Marquee Theatre with a US national tour set to begin in September. That is Beetlejuice, my friends. Yeah, thank you. We can all go home now. Um, thank you so much for voting. Um, until next time, stay happy, healthy and safe. Um, 
Lord. crazy. I, I actually literally last night watched... Oh, what was it on? It must have been on TikTok because I am... Um, hi, um, my name is Tori. I'm a TikTok addict. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, last First night... step is I, admitting it. I, um, I saw um, a video um, from the workshop... Uh, like the first, well, maybe not the first, but a workshop with Sophia and Caruso and Alex Brightman. And um, I can't think what this, I think it's called Say My Name is the it song. It is, yeah. I, I know um, the one you're talking about. Yes, um, about the different lyrics. And some of them I was like, oh. Yeah, well, that's the thing with Eddie Perfect's writing. Like, if, if you've heard any of his stuff before, like, his work with Shane Warne, the musical, I can't remember if he was writing on that or not, but some of the lyric choices are inspired, I think. Mm. Um, it, it can be quite crass, because he comes from that generation of Australian comedians, like your Tripods, your Will Andersons, who would just mm. throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. That's why I was so excited to hear that he was doing this, following in the great trail blazed by our Lord and Saviour Tim Minchin for... Aussies taking the Great White Way by storm. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and the alternate lyrics to Say My Name are catchy mm. as heck. Like, I love them, but mm. also, like, maybe not. Yeah, um, look, I think there's definitely um, a, a time and a place um, for those kind of lyrics. I don't think Beetlejuice... Oh, well, it's hard. It, if it was, like, an off-Broadway show, I think it would have been... It would have done better with that um but considering that it was in fact not and it was obviously straight to well not straight to broadway there were obviously trial runs um yeah it just it didn't it didn't work and i guess maybe that's why um because obviously in something that i'm gonna bring up now because this is the train that i've gone on oh we're um, diving straight in um going so obviously it did not sell well to begin with, um, and was resurrected by the love of the people of TikTok. Um, I think it, it did, it took a while, because I think, obviously, Broadway, very different to Australia. Um, you know, in America, you kind of, if you're into theatre, and, like, you're a theatre person like us, maybe not some of the higher class people, but, like, theatre people like us, we'll just go and see anything, really. Especially new work, we just want to see theatre. Um... I feel like with the Marquee Theatre, which they're not at. Never mind. I take that back. Where were they? They were, they were at. at the, they were at the Winter Garden. They were at yeah. the Winter Garden. Yes. Which is one of those ones. It's one of the theatres on Broadway that has like the really big marquee out the front. It's right next to Stardust um, Diner, which is the singing diner, if you don't know it. Um, so I feel like it would get a lot of the kind of more um, mainstream uh viewership versus mm. the theatre and or pop culture viewership. Um, I know a lot of mm. cosplayers in America love this show. Like, oh, yeah. Like, absolutely adore it. Um, and I think I think the market is a bit different for this show than maybe what they anticipated. And it took a little bit of time, more than they really had, to find that viewership, which is why TikTok kind of resurrected it because obviously they had that clause so they had to close the show they didn't really have a choice i completely agree tor like i think they might have underestimated just who the original source material was for because like Mm. who created the movie tim bloody burton who of course brings with him this cadre of 
weirdos and outcasts and outside the social norm folk who love his work, trying to then market that to a larger scale audience, I think might have been an overshot. Because, like, mm-hmm. yes, the original movie is good, but it is good because of that Burton aspect. It is not good on its own. If it weren't Tim Burton at the helm, if you got someone like David Lynch, who's famous for his weird stuff, or, God forbid, a Spielberg or a Zemeckis, the movie would not have hit as hard. Mm. It would have just been another weird 80s flick with Winona Ryder. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's like it's like when you compare like the Heather's movie to the Heather's musical. Like, exactly. You're like, mm, it doesn't hit. That, it's. I feel like not the ev- same. I feel like every deep dive we do comes back to comparing Heather's, but it's it's that same. It is that same era. Yeah. But ultimately, yes, you were completely right. It's overshot. I think in a smaller space like the Marquee, where it can actually mm. generate fan love, so people actually have to go out of their way to see it, rather than this big space like the Winter Garden, which, you're right, is a very centralised theatre. I walked Mm -hmm. past it multiple times in New York but never actually went in because I was poor. Um, Yeah, it's one of the ones that has, you know, um, I think the first time I went it was Mamma Mia and it had the big spangly sign. It's like you drive past it, you walk past it, you know exactly where it is because it has this... Everyone has marquees. I think it's one of the more... um, egregious marquees in New York because it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a, they've done, you know, it's a marquee. It's big, it's bright, it's colourful, it's to draw your attention and get you in. Yeah, um, and now it's covered in stuff for the music man. Yes. Which, Very, I'm just going to sidebar, we didn't need the music man again. We no, didn't we, need I don't it. think we really did. No, um, the world, the world's moved I'd rather, past. I'd rather Beetlejuice. world has moved past that era. Can we not? I probably anything else. Unless... As I always say, unless they did something different with it, unless they, they made didn't. some form of no, it's just it just it is it is as it is. Um, yep. Anyway, that that's the sidebar done. Thank you. Yes, Farewell, Sutton Foster. Farewell, Master <laughs> but, Jackman. Um, I think it was really good because when when you know Beetlejuice did get the opportunity to reopen, which nobody I think really saw. I think people wanted it, but when they were like, "We're sorry, we're we're done. There's like nothing we can do." And then obviously COVID. Um, I think it was very much like, oh, it's dead. So when it's reopened, oh my God, it's been like selling out constantly. The amount of people going, I know, excuse me, the amount of people I follow on TikTok that fly to New York specifically to see it, which like, you know, people do fly to New York just to see shows, but I mean people that are not necessarily, you know, theatre people, I say in air quotes. Yeah, that's the thing about this show. I think when I watched it, okay, so when I listened to the soundtrack, I wasn't completely blown away, Mm. but I really enjoyed it. But then when I watched it, that was a completely different experience. I think when I watched it, I, I thought this is brilliant and I'm surprised it closed. But maybe that's also because so many changes have happened over a period Mm. to make it a better show as like well as gareth was saying um they the ticket sales uh they kind of had like i don't know 100 how this works what i can only assume they had a cutoff date of when they kind of had to be um making the money back um rather than being at a loss which they were for their mm. opening period they were at a loss they weren't selling well mm. um so they had a cutoff date for the winter garden to then say all right guys as of then this date, you, you will be closing. 
Um, mm. Unfortunately, after the cutoff date for them to do well is when they actually started to do really well, when they started to get a bit of a cult following. It's kind of, it is honestly mm. a bit of a Heathers in that there is a, in, there's quite an intense cult following for it. And look, it, it did bring the show back from the dead. Um, but moving over into the music side of things a little bit, um, and obviously, is there any show better to be brought back from the dead than Beetlejuice? Um, I was just going to say that. Everyone has said it. Everyone has said it. <laughs> oh, I just it's a show about an undead guy and it's come back from the dead. Yes, thank you. You're so original. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the music, I will say, so the music, I don't think it's necessarily anything revolutionary. Similar to Heather's, similar to, no, I won't compare it to that. But, you know, it's a, it's a bop. It's you. The songs get stuck in your head. Like it is a it is a collection of serial bops created yeah. by a man whose entire career has been about creating serial bops. Like I yeah. remember him on oh Offspring that Channel Ten series. He yes. was constantly on there singing and playing piano, and that's how a lot of people were introduced to him as an actor. Meanwhile, yeah. the rest of us knew him from his work with Tripod. I'll say this for the music: it's catchy. You're right. It's the lyrics that I have an issue with. Really? Like, you guys you guys have heard some of my original stuff. I am a sucker for a half rhyme. I will, like, <laughs> really enjoy, like, sliding something in that doesn't quite work, but will yeah. be okay in passing. That's all the music in this show is. Like, if you listen back and look over the lyrics, like, I've done for a certain game we're doing later, wink, wink. Um, every rhyme is a half rhyme. And it just feels hmm. like we could have tried a little harder to find sounds that work. Does that make sense? Mm. It does make sense. And once you notice, once you notice it, it's, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I. To be honest, I really didn't know notice that. But also, I've not listened. Like I've only listened to the soundtrack once and watched it once. So it's not like a show that I know through and through, and I know every lyric. So. It's interesting from like a a music perspective to really analyze does this mm. work or does it not but from an entertainment aspect maybe the fact that it is so dazzling on stage and there is so much going on you just don't notice it as much yeah. in a way I I completely agree and this could just be me being the over analytical dork that I am <laughs> I'm happy to freely admit that Aren't we all though that maybe <laughs> Uh, partially to do with maybe why it didn't do as well as originally anticipated because it isn't, you know, it is a bop. Um, it's fun to listen to, um, it, but it, it's not anything revolutionary. It's relatively, um, I wouldn't say basic because it's not basic. You know, any any person that writes a show, you, already you're doing amazing, the fact that you're doing it. That's maybe why it has, it has created a different following than I anticipated because it is... Fun. I will say when watching when watching it in the way that we watch things when we live in Australia and cannot see shows on Broadway um, because there is literally no other option. Um, so things like Dead Mom, I was like, oh, love it, love the way it sounds. Wish I could sing like that. Um, and I don't mean this in a rude way. I promise. This is just a uh, a comment, I guess, maybe on. Sophia and Caruso's vocal tone that when watching what we watched that sounded painful that did not sound comfortable I think that legitimately is just her voice possibly and obviously I couldn't tell you because I don't know her personally 
you bring up a good point, and a uh, resident voice nerd over here, I'll speak out and say, she's doing everything healthily. Like, mm. it sounds gritty and awful and painful, but physically, like, I think the fact she's then able to do the rest of the show the way she does is a sign that it's working for her. It's just a sound. Also, she's 17 in this show. How fucking dare she? It's insane. I I think she's brilliant, mm-hmm. personally. I think her singing, I think it's really smart in a way, and maybe that's just her natural singing voice, but casting her is is great because Winona Ryder is a really, like, when you look at the movie and what that was, she's really weird and a little offbeat and different, and her her voice is so unique that I feel like it pairs really well with that kind of, that characterization of Lydia because mm. it's not, you know, it's not let's be perfect polished Broadway like using that specific thing. Let's use some rock. Let's use some music theatre. Let's combine those two like vocal techniques together and create mm. this character, which I think is really, really smart. Yeah, I, I would say that was probably um, part of the reason that she was cast in the role. It's a very unique voice. And I believe that is just her voice. That's how she sings normally. Wow. It's, I guess it's the exact same with Alex Brightman. I think people were really concerned when they first heard it, um, him doing the voice of Beetlejuice, thinking that it was damaging his voice. But there's a whole video... I feel like maybe it's Broadway.com, something like that, did an interview with him about how he does that and does it safely. Yes, it's a little trick called ventricular fold phonation. So you've all heard about false vocal folds. They're basically just a cover over the top of your vocal folds that'll stop dust and stuff getting in. Certain singers and certain practitioners can actually engage them when singing at full voice. Brightman is one of those people. There is footage going around of him being scoped, which is a Mm. camera going up his nose and down his throat, and then doing it. Mm. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, and it's completely painless. A lot of singers do this for a living. Like, Jimmy Barnes famously sings entirely through his false folds. Mm. And here is me thinking that's just unhealthy singing. No, it's it's a skill and a talent, and I wish I could do it. Yeah, I think that was why they had to... Not they had to, it's a choice if they want to or not. Um, but I think that's one of the main reasons that pushed them to, you know, talk about it um, and make these kind of videos because I think people were concerned that that was doing damage. Um, yeah. I'd be very interested to hear... Let me... Let me... Look up her name. While you're looking that up, to further that comment on vocal damage uh, conversations, mm. uh, I think it was important to have that conversation because Alex Brightman had suffered a vocal injury during a Broadway show prior to this Mm. on School of Rock. He was, Mm. quote, I did a lot of research into this following my master's. Vocal injury on Broadway is so common and so stigmatised and so underinsured. Brightman was one day doing, I believe, Stick It to the Man. He felt a pop, and then suddenly his upper register was gone. Oh, my God. So he was then off for ages and ages, and... There was not a lot of support. There was not a lot of talk about it because, like, this is the equivalent of pulling a hamstring for an athlete. But for us, it is viewed as almost career-ending because we think Mm -hmm. of all these people who have, like, completely lost their voice due to either 
poor technique or just a random roll of a dice. Can, can I bring up Dame Julie Andrews as an example? Yes. Yeah. So we worry, and it's nice that a conversation was then had about it. Thank yeah. you. I'll step down from my soapbox now. <laughs> um, there's somebody else, and I'm not going to be able to remember her name now. She's a super popular vocal coach, Natalie. Natalie Weiss. Natalie Weiss. Weiss or Weiss? I pronounce it Weiss. But... Who knows? Um, she's had similar conversations online um, because when she was doing Emoji Land, and it took her months. It took her. It took her months to recover fully from it. And she was talking about it because she was like, people don't talk about these things enough. But what I was going to say before. I would be really interested to see or hear Elizabeth Teeter's voice, who is the woman who has taken over the role of Lydia in Beetlejuice with its return. Mm. Um, I think it's actually, it's really nice listening to this show. And so often I find that with musicals, you get either, you know, for example, you're auditioning with pop rock, or you're auditioning with contemporary theatre or classic music theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like for this, it would have had to have been a mix. Because you've got characters like Lydia and Beetlejuice. But then yep. you have the other characters who I feel like... Um, oh, I've just forgotten her name. And it, I was literally just looking at it. Um, Delia. Um, Leslie Kritzer, who kind of has a little bit of a mix of both. And then others who are much more, you know, traditional Broadway sound. So it's actually, whilst it can, probably can be a little bit jarring for some people, I've really enjoyed it that it's not, you know, a completely pop rock show, but it's also not a completely contemporary show either or really classic show. It, it has a really nice mix of different sounds. I think that really comes into the clever writing of the show and and how like it's deliberately that sung that way or it's deliberately changed that way. I mean, Beetlejuice in like one song will go from rock to kind of gospel to, you know, he goes through all of these different vocal techniques, but it's really smart because it's funny and it catches the audience off guard and it makes them laugh. And I think the comedy in this show is really what makes it quite brilliant. One of my favorite characters is Delilah. Am I saying that right? You mean Mm. Delia? Delia, sorry, not Delilah, Delia, because <laughs> I think her her comedic timing was just brilliant, and the writing is just it just lends itself to so much play, which I love to see on stage. I completely agree. Uh, I'm doing a rapid fire through my own notes here. Mm. There's certain things that just jumped out at me. I'm just going to give you some of them. Brightman is giving serious, horny Robin Williams vibes in this show. Mm. God, this show is camp. I hated Mean Girls Camp, but it works so well with this setting. Uh, Yes, I'm very good at sex was the perfect line delivery. Like, the entire show... Here's my thing. I love comedy. Love a laugh. Mm -hmm. This whole show is very naked gun, flying high sort of humour. I love it. But I started to see towards Act 2... The burnout, because the show is all these gags. So the laughs had diminishing returns, for me at least. I was like, Mm, okay, I'm expecting the show to be funny now. Like, Uh, cool, I know the jokes are always going to be there. So I'm just going to sit here and exist in this uh, funny ha-ha space that we've created. I think that that's maybe the difference between this and Mean Girls is... Um, Mean Girls definitely, it makes fun of itself and it's in on the joke, if that makes sense. But Beetlejuice really 
is potent is like chat and shit about itself. Yeah. Um, you know, it very blatantly is, you know, it's one of the very first lines. It is the first line Alex Brightman says, um, is, um, Holy a, crap, ballad a ballad already. already. Yeah. And such a strong departure from the original source material. Oh, I loved that. Thought it was hilarious. Them making fun of themselves is at a, re- a much higher intensity than something like Mean Girls. So that it is funnier for longer. And it's funny because you can laugh at the fact that they're making fun of themselves and you feel comfortable doing it. Whereas with something like Mean Girls, you're kind of like, oh, you're, you're making, you're making, I don't know. I don't know if I should be laughing at this. Mm. The the whole cast is seriously really phenomenal. But everyone's funny, not just Beetlejuice, which I really mm. like. Um, mm-hmm. And I it's agree. not just one character that carries the whole show and is funny. It's actually multiple and they're all hilarious and brilliant. All right, ladies, we've been very serious with this yes. debate, I guess, <laughs> about aspects of the show. How about we lighten things up with a little game? I get it. All right. God, it's so early, my I'm brain. I'm going to pre- prefix this as I really do not know the words to this. Yeah, I'm going to preface that, this with it is 8.40 in the morning. And- <laughs> I have let Tori and Liza know ahead of time that I've yes. created a lyric challenge. Mm-hmm. I have, however, made it very simple for all of us because I don't know about y'all I've been busy my brain is smooth it has no wrinkles whatsoever Gareth is currently like killing the game in Mary Poppins and I'm trying my best let's not go too far (laughs) I show up I fall over that's my bit in the show Um, (laughs) so I have I mentioned the rhyming of the lyrics earlier today so mm. I'm going to make this very simple for you. It's just going to be the final rhyme of a lyric. I'll read out some lyrics. You'll throw the rhyme at me. Okay. All right. Let us start with Eliza. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. This, this is a lyric from Dead Mom. Okay. Okay. I had to do the accent. Um, Daddy's in denial. Daddy doesn't want to feel. He wants me to smile and clap like a... Performing seal! Ding, ding, ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> you can see the light so- in your face just like, I know this! She was so happy. Uh, it's my favourite line in the whole show. It's probably the only one I know. <laughs> it comes out of left field and hits so hard. I don't know why. It's weird. Like, no, it's, why it's weird, but then seal? Okay. So is the rest of the show. All right, yeah. Tori. Mm. This is from the Invisible Reprise. You're invisible when you're me. There's no one to see my truth. If they could look up and see... There's somebody on the roof. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) And I was like, the reprise? And then I was like, as soon as you started saying it, I was like, oh my God, when he's sitting up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there we go. Like, (laughs) I told you I was making it simple for all of us. I love this. All right, Eliza. This is from Say My Name. Being young and female doesn't mean that I'm an easy mark. I've been swimming with piranhas. I don't need... Um... (laughs) Um... Any, uh... Sharks? Oh... (laughs) I literally do not even know what it sounds like. That's close. I think Tori's going to have to jump in with the steel. I don't need a shark. That is it. Oh, so I was really close. See, I don't know who to give that to. Tori had it spot on, but Liza, you were so close. 
I was close. That was a good I think guess. just give it to Eliza. No, oh, all right. Tori. One you. pity point going to Eliza. You, you were close. Thank you. I appreciate all it. All right, so we're at two to one. We're at two to one. Uh, Tori, this is from Barbara 2.0. Unfinished projects, meaningless objects, plans I abandoned or quit. It's the stuff of our lives and... Oh, no. Oh. I think Tori has... as soon as you said Barbara 2.0, I went, this is the song I skip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's all shit? Yeah, that's it. All of it's oh, shit. All of it's shit. I, Go I, you. I knew it was something like that, but I didn't know what. All I got right. there in the end. You did, hey, you that's did. that's great. Nicely done. All right, so we're tied. Once more, this brings us to a famous tiebreaker. You all know the rules. Say your name to buzz in. Funnily enough, that's how the show works as well. Um, <laughs> this is a single word from the song Girl Scout. It is a oh. back and forth between... Can I just confirm? We have to wait until you get to the end of the lyric before we can yes, buzz in. Is that correct? Yes, you have okay. to wait it's until I get to the end. Last time it was utter chaos, and I okay. cannot deal with that right now. <laughs> all right, so Girl Scout... Why don't you come inside? Well, we're really not supposed to. Why? Tori. Oh. Yep. Pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> and that's but all, you're folks. so nice, and you're not mean, and no yep. one gets molested by a gothy teen. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's like one of my favourite songs from the show, because it's that show, uh, that song that you get in every show that opens act two. And for every show, it's a little bit different, but sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do. Like you're like, absolutely. Why you, why are you here? It only happens because the scene happens in the film and it serves no purpose. But there's some of the best songs like in, I feel like people are going to not like me for this. I don't know. In SpongeBob, when I saw it was the final show that I saw on Broadway last time I was there. My favorite song from the entire show was the song that opened act two and it was, um, you know, the, are you ready, kids? Pirate yep, who does all the, the sound effects. Patchy the, the pirate, thank you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but it's all the pirates, and it's a song about being pirates. Nothing to do with the rest of the show, but it was my favourite song of the whole show. It just hits different. Thank you for playing my game, friends, and thank, thank you. you for letting me get one of you to say the word pedophile on national podcast radio. <laughs> At least it wasn't me. <laughs> Ah, oh, you fell into my trap. I'm glad to not win that one. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I'm leaning heavily into the idea that this is a Burton movie, so obviously they were leaning into that for the musical, but the set design and costume design on this is so good. Like, Impeccable. I love each and every costume in this show. Lydia's yeah. delightful safety pin necklace around her dress, uh, Beetlejuice's exposed brain during Say My Name, and the set of the Netherworld makes me so happy. Slanted staging and a Scooby-Doo chase sequence happening all the way through it. Oh my god, it's I was insane. in heaven. What I love is that I feel like there's one of two ways that shows like this can always go. They can either go really elaborate, which, you know, it is quite elaborate. The Netherworld, however, super simple. I love it because that... They're trying to, I feel like, not give a perceived idea of what the afterlife would look like. It's just, like, kind of almost pretty much a blank space. Um, But I feel like shows either go crazy elaborate or they just literally copy what the movie does. And this has a nice, you know, there are facets of the movie, but there are, you know, it makes itself 
its own as well at the same time and separates itself a little bit with all of like these really beautiful details and it's just really fun. I feel like it gets all the characters right but it heightens them so much more. A hundred percent. I mean, personally, with the Scooby-Doo chase, just going back to this netherworld for a hot <laughs> I was so expecting someone to then start walking down. Like, I was expecting it to do that spiral thing where the people walk, so, like, they're on cables, and they're, oh, like, yeah. and they go on the different sides of it. Slightly disappointed that didn't happen. But, you know, Beetlejuice producers, you could make that happen. <laughs> oh, speaking as a... Sh- Speaking from someone as a show who's actually doing that at the moment, it takes so long to hook someone up to a harness. Don't do it. Does it really? Yes. Like I, I love your, <laughs> okay, then no. I love your little naivete energy for how efficient a harness can be. It's beautiful, but it's just not happening. I'm sorry to crush your dreams. You have crushed them, and it's got to take time as well because obviously it needs to be safe. Um, yes. But I also, True. I really love the doubling of Delia and Miss Argentina because they kind of feel mildly like very different characters, but also a little bit the same. It feels oh, like it. this, um, um, <laughs> I found my, I found my frequencies, crystals speak to me. What are they saying? Buy more crystals. Um, they, they <laughs> feel like they have a similar energy. And also I loved watching, um, there's heaps of videos online that, um, Leslie Kritzer did of her doing that quick change because she's got like maybe a song, maybe two songs to completely become a different character, body paint and everything. Obviously, she has a suit for like the neck down, um, but still everything else. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible to watch, and if anything, a testament to her. I love so much. Um, oh, the song. Do you hear that sound? Yes. Is it yes. the one that she sings? Yes. That yeah. beautiful sound. Um, oh, amazing. I yeah, the love... Act, the Act 2 opener. Yes. I love... Yes, it is. Thank you. All of the different Beetlejuices in that, all of the fun little costumes, all of like the nods to the film that you wouldn't be able to do with just necessarily one person. I also love at the end of Act 1, the how the house changes... Changes? Changes <laughs> from... Um, the house, you know, the model home that they've built, this very abstract home. Um, You see, like, the wallpaper change as soon as um, Beetlejuice's name has been said three times. Spoilers. just, everything is done really nice and really seamlessly without, like, you know, the whole, quickly, get this set off stage and get this one on stage. It's excellent. I think as well they really incorporated all of the uh, iconic moments of the movie and and Mm. things that you remember, like the guy with the really tiny head that's shrunk or, you know, um, Miss Argentina, all of those characters were able to be put in quite seamlessly and it it looked the same. And that was the, that's the crazy bit. Like it looks like the movie, like the incredible um, costume set prop design of just all of those combined is quite a master to see on stage and something we don't really get in many other shows. So, yeah, I was quite impressed by how they adapted it from the film to the musical. Hmm. I'm, I'm happy to say that I adore the way this show looks and the fact mm. it has drawn so much from that Burton-esque aesthetic is a testament to the designers and everyone involved in the production of this show. 
but I would like to go out on a limb here and just out myself. I hate Tim Burton's movies. I hate <gasps> them so much. I love no. the way they I love the way they look. I love the way that people <laughs> act in them, but I hate his work so goddamn much that it gives me an ulcer. Gareth. Yep. Gareth. Yep. <laughs> No. Why are you guys surprised that I have a hot take on a deep dive? Because you don't like anything fun in this world, Gareth. It's true. I'm an old man and I just don't like fun. Um, I think there are, I feel like Tim Burton movies are very specifically enjoyed by very specific people, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like everyone can, like, blanketly enjoy, um, but there's, like, a specific not a kind of person. I'm that specific kind of person. Like, I love Tim Burton because I love things like Coraline. I love things that... Um, bring me both joy and give me the creeps at the same time. Yeah. Because um, I myself am strange and unusual. Um, <laughs> I hate myself so much. I'm clinically depressed. She's, she's so unique. I'm so unique. <laughs> I'm not um, like the other girls. I like Edward Susserhans. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sniff, sniff. Oh, that's got to that's make, make, make the video. Sniff, sniff. Um... Well, we we've said a lot about Beetlejuice as a show. I yes. think we'd like. I think we should probably close on one thing. Did we like it or did we not like it? I like. Um, I like it. I enjoy it. It's um. It's not. It's not one of the. It's not the kind of bop that Legally Blonde is that I just listen to it all the time. Obviously though, currently my hyperfixation is the playlist from Stranger Things season four. And I have listened to that on repeat multiple times every day. Any months and if you're out there, I'll take you any day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't have time sorry, to talk Danny. about this. Um, no longer. Sorry. She's no longer sorry, available. Danny, uh, <laughs> a weirdo from the nineties, nineties, eighties has got me. Um, but um, it is it is fun. It's an enjoyable show to listen to. I feel like it'd be a really enjoyable show to see. I don't know if it would be a show personally for me that I would go back and see multiple times as I have done with some of my favourite shows like Anastasia and Come From Away. But I, I would see it. I would enjoy it. And I think it would be really fun. I feel like it could be a show that maybe would do well in Australia. Not entirely convinced, but I think it'd be interesting. I agree. I think it's a good show. It's fun. It's good. It's nothing out of this world, ironically. Like, the least complimentary thing I can say at any time about any musical is, it sure was a show. And I can't say that about Beetlejuice, because it was an experience. It's an extravaganza. There's a lot of good laughs, a lot of good design, a lot of good bops, like, counted by the half rhymes I mentioned earlier, but otherwise, <laughs> I go and see it if it's out there. And also cast me as Adam if it ever comes to Australia. Please and thank you. Oh, yeah. I feel like just what you just said, though, yes. Similarly to something like Moulin Rouge, where Moulin Rouge, it's fantastic and it's a spectacle. It is so much fun to see. And the things that the people do in the show, crazy. It's nothing never necessarily revolutionary. Um, the casting, however, is revolutionary. Please continue to cast diversely. Thank you. Um, but it's the kind of show where it, it's a bit of an extravaganza. I mean, I, ha I have feelings on Moulin Rouge in general, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, ooh, <laughs> maybe our next maybe. one. I mean, for me, I honestly thought it was fantastic. I, I know that um, we've obviously had a few critiques on the show and things like that, but I, I sat there and I was like, this is really good. And I, I am a comedy, like musical theatre person. I love it. 
I like it better than the movie. Um, I think it has such a good entertainment value and just show value in general. I think that all of the actors' comedic timing is quite brilliant and was really... I would be a privilege to see in person how they do that and manage that, especially with things like the pop culture references, um, references to the audience and getting all of that timing to get the audience on your side. That's hard work and they make it look so easy. So I thought it was fantastic and I would love to see it one day in person. This was a fun one. I liked this This one. This was fun. fun. And I love how short it was because it meant that we had to be so fast-paced. It was great. Hey, look, we have a time constraint. We'll get all of our thoughts out in an orderly manner. It somehow was easier. <laughs> I know both myself and Eliza, I have to get to work. Eliza has to uni. get to uni. Gareth needs to go the fuck back to sleep. I have to teach. Or do you have to teach? <laughs> yes, I do. I have to teach later today as well. My oh. ride never ends. It's a never-ending story. Well, it's a never-ending No, ending Tori. No. No. <laughs> anyway. And that would make a good musical. Ooh. We'll get there next time. But anyway, you guys, thank you so, so much for listening. Um, after this episode airs, I will post a poll for our next deep dive. Or maybe we'll do Moulin Rouge. Let us know what you think. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you so, so much for being here. And until next time, stay happy, healthy, and safe. And we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theatre community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theatre professionals, search the RISE Theatre Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theatre with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.